The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM. Welcome to The Big Red Bench, where it's more podcast. I'm your host, Jer McCarthy. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at jermccarthy 74 This week's podcast includes AFLW expert and Aussie Rules coach Mike Curran is back to offer expert analysis on all the latest pre-season results, and we focus in on each of the 21 Irish players involved in the upcoming AFLW season. A regular Formula One Women in Sports segment returns with expert Sarah McKenzie bringing us up to speed on all the latest on and off track happenings, including Lewis Hamilton, Alice Powell, Jamie Chadwick, Daniel Ricciardo and Oscar Piastri. A big welcome back for our big red bench Munster women's rugby expert and chairperson Wendy Keenan. Wendy previews the Ireland Senior Women's Two-Match Tour of Japan and gives us all the latest news and updates on the Munster Women's Provincial and Club News. We are also joined by Echo Live Chief Sub-Editor Rory Noonan for a new weekly slot covering the 2022 Cork Ladies Football Championships. And finally, Munster Hockey Piero Graham Catchball is back on the bench to talk about this weekend's Irish Senior Women's Hockey Championship qualifiers, plus news of all the Munster Women's Interpro teams and start dates for the new season. That's all to come on this week's Big Red Bench Women in Sport Podcast. AFLW expert and Aussie Rules coach Mike Curran is back on the Big Red Bench to talk about another hectic week of AFLW pre-season action and how all 21 Irish players are progressing. Mike and I run down all the latest pre-season results and focus in on each of the Irish players involved. We have news of an injury setback for Arnie McDonough and news also on round one of the new AFLW season 7.0 which is only two weeks away. We preview the biggest games and storylines. And finally, we give news of the big week one matchup between Essendon and Hawthorne and having to be moved to Marvel Stadium to meet the huge ticket demand. AFLW season 7.0 is nearly upon us. We're not that far off it. And there's been so much happening in the build up to it. So much interest uh, on all over the globe, not just in Australia and certainly here in Ireland ahead of 21 Irish players taking to the field at some point of the upcoming season. It is getting very, very exciting and we're delighted to have our resident expert and coach to all of those players that have gone over to Australia and uh, expert analysis as well from Mike Curran. Mike, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench. How are you? Great, Chair. Good to be back for another week. Indeed. Let's get straight into it because the practice rounds have taken place. Irish interest in nearly every one of those games. It began last Friday with St Kilda and the Brisbane Lions. Oh yeah, look, it might have only been the practice round, but I suppose from our point of view, we've never seen as much interest in practice games in the last seven seasons of AFLW. It's phenomenal. I suppose 17 out of the 21 Irish players were in action across the weekend. Um, But the requests we had, the messages coming in, people looking for live streams, looking for links, wanting to see the game. There's a huge buzz and a huge excitement, uh, which is great to see. So... God, you know, God only knows what it'll be like in two weeks when the season kicks off in, in, in Irons. But yeah, Friday night, practice round started off. Uh, St Kilda versus Brisbane Lions was down in RCA Park in Melbourne, uh, St Kilda's home ground there. Uh, ended up with a, a decent enough win for Brisbane Lions, 42 points to 16. I suppose uh, from the Irish uh, perspective, no Orla Dwyer on this occasion. She didn't even travel from Brisbane uh, with the team as she continues to rehab further to that. A minor shoulder surgery she had in uh, off season, so they're just hoping to have her back as soon as possible. Whether that's round one or not yet remains to be seen, but we're hopeful that it will be. And on the St Kilda side, we had Clara Fitz back in action in her first game for a couple of seasons after rejoining the club this season. And Grace Kelly, who's also a new player at the club, actually sat that game out as she's just rehabbing a few minor niggles as well, but uh, should be good to go in a couple of weeks. So that was Friday night's action to kick off the weekend. Excellent stuff. And then we had a very, we had a lot of Irish interest uh, the following day. And the first one up, that was the Crows and the Kangaroos. Oh, this was this was a massive one in terms of interest here at home. As you say, Adelaide Crows uh, with Ailish Constein and Eve Kelly, North Melbourne Kangaroos with the dynamic duo of Eric O'Shea and, and Vicky Wall. Of course, Vicky Wall's first game. This game was on in Adelaide. It was scheduled for Norwood Oval. We were all set up with the links to watch it and everything. And then the fixture was changed at with 30 minutes to go so we had to go to another stadium to West Lakes and then there was doubts over whether the actual stream was going ahead or not and this was I think 2.30 in the morning Saturday morning and messages were coming through saying how do we see it how do we watch it so phenomenal interest in that one and look at I know it's only a preseason game but North Melbourne got a win there in a cracker 3-2-20 points to 2-6-18 against the Crows and while you don't read much into the results of the practice games obviously it's nice to get a win over the reigning premiers um, great debut for um, Vicky Wall came in for significant praise literally only in Australia a week but we already saw 
some of that uh, power and that speed and we wondered would it transfer to the game and it's already looking like it has and coach Darren Crocker has come out there and said she just needs to get a bit more familiar with the Sharon and she's going to be electric um, it was Eric O'Shea's second game only but again I was watching this one live and Eric was playing down in, uh, in the backs between uh, back pocket and, and half back flank and she just looked like a natural her ability to find the ball and find the contest was phenomenal wherever the, the ball was coming in an attack she was there so a great game for her as well. And from Adelaide's point of view, I suppose the two Irish girls featured Neve and Eilish, but they completely changed their team at halftime and flipped it over. So this is what some of the teams do in the practice games. They utilise as many players as possible. But nevertheless, that had big interest. The first game of Saturday morning featuring four Irish players. Indeed, and plenty more Irish players on show at the Witten Oval as well, where the Western Bulldogs hosted the Greater Western Sydney Giants. Yeah, the Giants travelled to Melbourne for this one and they came away with a win with the last kick of the game, 51 points to 50. And whatever about momentum, that's two practice game wins on the trot you know, over two weeks for the Giants. We, we're seeing a new coach in Canberra and We're seeing a new game plan. We're seeing new avenues of attack to take the pressure off Cora Staunton. This is a stated objective of, of the new coach and we're seeing much more accurate forwards. So uh, the Giants scored eight goals, three behinds, 51. So that's incredibly accurate shooting. Cora Staunton did get two goals on the night, of course. So she's never going to be off the scoreboard. And uh, Breed Stack got through that game as well. So, again, a nice win for the Giants in Melbourne. And I'm pretty sure they actually face off against the Bulldogs in round one again in, in two weeks uh, in a rematch of that. So that'd be an interesting one. Indeed it will. And great to see um, Great to see that those Irish players uh, already making their mark. Essendon and Port Adelaide met at the, at the NEC hangar. Yeah, so again, this was two of the expansion teams. So, so two of the teams playing their first official practice match. Essendon came away with the win, 56 points to 36, but both teams impressed. I suppose Essendon have taken that form from their recent VFLW Premiership win. And the Irish player on show on this game was Joanne Doonan for Essendon, who, of course, um, has come up from that VFLW side. Uh, so great to see two of the expansion teams going off against each other. Great to see the AFLW team running out at the at the hangar, which is a very well-known uh, venue in Melbourne as well, and a good win for Essendon. Indeed it was. Gold Coast and Geelong, they also met up. Yeah, Gold Coast and Geelong. Geelong had a big win here. It, it ended up 8 goals 4.52 to 2 goals 4.16, but Geelong had seven of those goals scored in the first half to no score for Gold Coast Suns, so the game was wrapped up at halftime. But again, the score is probably the least, the least significant thing in any of these matches. Rachel Cairns featuring for Geelong. Good to see her back uh, and returning to action after injury as well. Indeed. Uh, the Sydney Swans and Collingwood also met up. Sydney Swans and Collingwood, yeah, that was up in Sydney and Blacktown. And uh, Collingwood had the win there, 56-26. to 26. A couple of interesting subtexts here. Of course, Sydney Swans' new coach is Scott Gowan, who previously was at Collingwood um, last season. And at the in the early parts of preseason, there was rumours of a number of Collingwood players going to Sydney. But in the end, that didn't transpire, including our own Sarah Rowe. There was, there was talks of that for a while. But Collingwood came, came away with the win. The aforementioned Sarah Rowe was not playing on this occasion because she will actually miss out on round one as she serves out a suspension, a one-match ban from the end of last season. So she didn't feature in the practice game or won't feature in round one. But I'm pretty sure we'll see her back in action in round two. We did see Ashling Sheridan in action for Collingwood. And from the watching the game on the stream I could see Ashton playing a lot in the centre of the ground so she looked like she was running through the midfield a bit more so again interesting to see if that's something that's just been tried in the practice matches or something we might see uh, when the season kicks off in a couple of weeks Excellent The MCG hosted a real cracker as well as expected Carlton and the Demons Look, it was big news last week when it was announced that this fixture was, was being moved to the MCG we touched on it in last week's podcast um, there was only one game there played previously and, and that was in the finals last year. So absolutely fantastic. Carlton versus Melbourne. We had Sinead Goldrick and Blackie Macken running out for Melbourne. Mel- Melbourne had a big win, 86 points to 16. But there's only one story from this game and that's <laughs> Blackie Macken. Her first week in Australia, her first game, she scores a goal at the MCG. Unbelievable. It's the stuff of dreams. Uh, the dream start. You literally couldn't write it and already making headlines for her initial performance there. But again, 
very similar to Vicky Wall, only landed in the country a week and already making an impression, as we knew she would. But what a story. To, to score a goal in your first game at one of the most iconic stadiums in the world, that's the story of the practice matches for definite. Indeed it was. What a fantastic uh, video clip that went viral in social media of that very moment as well, Mike. And that really captures the imagination of people, even people who might know an awful lot about AFLW and this side of the water. They certainly took notice with just, with just seeing that goal and what it meant to her. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's a moment. That actual video was taken by my brother, who's in Australia at the moment. I was actually at the game. So it was brilliant to have eyes on the ground and, and to get that clip and, and to be able to watch it back. Um, but, yeah, phenomenal. I, I know already um, there's huge um, message of support and, and congratulations coming into blind from everyone in Armagh and everyone in ladies football in general. And, and she's settling in there very quickly and very exciting for what she's going to do. Excellent and good to see that you've got the family working for you across the globe as well. They like they can't get away from you, so you've even got them out filming and all that. This is brilliant. <laughs> With the season that's coming up, we've had to recruit everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. The final game of the uh, pre-season schedule took place in the Fremantle Oval on Saturday night. Yeah, and look at this again. Huge Irish interest in this one. We had three Irish players for Fremantle Dockers. Anya Tai, who we know already, of course. Um, uh, Amy Mulholland was playing her second game after playing in the practice match the previous week and it was first game again for Orla Lally again just landed out uh, a week ago after meets win there and they were taking on the West Coast Eagles a local derby featuring Ash McCarthy very close game horrendous weather conditions the game was actually suspended for 30 minutes due to a thunderstorm uh, but Fremantle came away with the win 19 points to 13 and we saw great images of Orla Lally and Amy Mulholland after that game celebrating their first win and again, what a story for Orla Lally. Her first win in her first game and impressing as well. So very exciting to see the three girls combine at Fremantle Dockers across the season. And they got a little taste of Irish weather <laughs> in Perth. I was going to mention uh, that actually, yeah. I, do, I don't think they'll, they'll want to see too much of those rainstorms and, and a bit more sun. But nevertheless, it didn't dampen the spirits or didn't dampen the style of play and Fremantle got the win. And everyone got through that game on injured as well, which is important. Excellent stuff. And just finally, on the uh, Sunday, August 14th, the MCG played host uh, to Hawthorne. So this was the second game of the practice round that had been moved to the MCG. Uh, again, fantastic to see it. Richmond versus Hawthorne. Hawthorne's first official practice game. Obviously a new expansion team as well. Uh, Richmond got, got the win there um, by 52 points to 8. So a big win for Richmond. Two Irish players um, didn't feature on this occasion. So Aileen Gilroy was rested and also Anya McDonough. I suppose this is the only um, disappointing news, I suppose, or the only setback from all the Irish players so far. Anya suffered uh, fractured ribs the previous week in the initial practice match against West Coast Eagles up in Perth. So she is now out for a sizable portion of time at the start of the season. And that's obviously very disappointing uh, for me personally, who worked with Anya and was involved in getting her over there for herself, for everybody watching and supporting her. But um, there's a long way to go and she's got a great team around her and we hope to see Anya back in action very soon uh, or as soon as possible and we wish her well. Uh, but yes, uh, Aileen Gilroy also sitting out, but no doubt she'll be back in action come round one. Yeah, and just to echo what you said about Anya McDonough, somebody with her... Um I think with her mentality and the fact of just just the way she goes about her, her business, I think she's somebody that will, will dive into that rehab and will be back bigger and better than ever before when the time comes. But it is mentally as much as physically a real setback so close to the new season, but nobody better than Anya McDonough to bounce back from it, Mike. No, 100%. And I've been talking to her across the last few days. She's very positive. She's getting on with it. She's looking forward to get back in action. Uh, but as you say, I suppose it's just it's disappointing that you've gone that far and that you get a setback so early before round one. You miss out in a game at the MCG, these little things. Um, but as you say, she's a great character, uh, very very uh, determined, very headstrong, and we'll see her back in action soon enough. We will indeed. Um, as we finish up, round one is only two weeks away, Mike. Where the hell did that summer go? <laughs> You're asking me. I don't know, Jerry. It's, it's unreal. And as I say, with the actual interest and the build-up, to the practice round alone, it's it's going to be amazing to see the, the support from here at home and from all over the place for these 21 amazing Irish players and how exciting that it's only two weeks away and we're going to be straight into it with busters of games one week after the other for the next 10 weeks and that's a really exciting prospect. It is indeed and just finally, if you haven't been listening to the two of us waxing lyrical about the importance of AFLW this season from an Irish perspective, 21 players involved, about the absolute explosion in interest, news that the inaugural AFLW match between the Essendon Bombers and the Hawthorne Hawks has been shifted to the 53,000 capacity Marvel Stadium 
after tickets for the original venue sold out within 24 hours. There's your headline act straight away, Mike. There's what we've been saying all along. AFLW has never been more popular. For sure. And look, we flagged this one weeks back when that when that draw mm. was initially released. Straight away, people were calling for that particular game to be moved to Marvel. There's actually There was a hashtag running for the last few weeks, move to Marvel. And uh, the proof in the pudding, I suppose, was that when the tickets went on sale, the initial venue sold out, I think, as you say, in less than 24 hours, somewhere close to eighteen or 20,000 tickets. So fair play to the AFL on this occasion they've listened uh, but more so fair play to the two clubs who have pushed it and we're seeing this now a lot more this season than ever it happened with the two practice games being moved to the MCG last week you know I mentioned that that was all on the initiative and the drive of the clubs to make that happen in this instance we've saw we've seen Essendon and Hawthorne push for a move to Marvel the game is going to Marvel so again some brilliant um, big stadium experience for Joanne Doonan and Essendon and Aileen Gilroy hopefully for that round one and I wouldn't be surprised if we're somewhere close to a sellout crowd for that because Essendon Hawthorne is one of the biggest rivalries in football anyway. Mm. It's the first time they'll ever play against each other in AFLW and it's at one of the best stadiums in Australia. Absolutely fantastic to see. What better note to finish this week's uh, podcast lot on than that. And uh, next week it's the big build-up, it's the big preview because the week after we're straight into it, AFLW Season 7.0. Mike Ryan, once again, thanks for your expert analysis and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks so much, Jared. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM's Big Red Bench resident, Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie, is back for another segment detailing all the off track happenings during the summer break. This week, we talk about Alice Pohl defeating Jamie Chadwick into second place in the W Series Hungarian GP. And that was Chadwick's first non win of the season so far. We have all the latest on Daniel Ricciardo, who is reportedly seeking a $21 million payout in order to leave McLaren. Lewis Hamilton confirms that he is not considering retirement in the near future in a wide-ranging Vanity Fair article. And finally, what next for Oscar Piastri? Is he the next Formula 1 driver for McLaren? Yes, it's that time of the week again here on the Corks Red FM Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast where we're joined by a resident Formula 1 expert. There may be no GPs on, but there is so much happening in the paddock and off the track. We have to get Sarah McKenzie on to keep track of it all. Sarah, how are you? I'm great. I'm not going to lie, I'm slightly thrilled that the heat wave is gone. I don't know about anyone else, but I'm enjoying uh, enjoying being a bit cooler today, I think. Yes, as a pale-skinned Irish uh, fair-haired person as well, I can confirm that I'm happy that I loved it while I was here, but I'm okay that it's gone. And I do enjoy the thunder and lightning. It's great for the farmers. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) Um, It has been a very busy time off the track. As I said, we're still, we're in the middle of the summer break and a lot of things are happening, but we didn't get a chance last week to talk about a subject that we've we've covered before, and that's the W Series um, and the Hungarian GP. And that was one, uh, a race, an interesting finish to that race. Let's put it that way, because we had a winner that we didn't expect. Exactly. Um, the the W Series ladies ran alongside the F1 in Budapest um, just before the summer break, as you said, and we finally had a change in winner. Um, Alice Powell went on to win that race and it marks the first race of the 2022 season that Jamie Chadwick has not won. Now, with that being said, she's still more than double the amount of points in the Drivers' Championship to her closest rivals, which are actually Alice Powell and Beitzka Visser, who are sitting in uh, second, joint second place right now. But she has 143 points and they're on 65. So, you know, there are only three races left. It would be a big shock, I think, if either of them were, were to catch her. Um, I'm actually not even sure if it's mathematically possible mm. at this point. But I think, I think there's much more... I'd be much more interested in seeing that battle for second and also third. I think the the person that's in fourth at the minute is only two points behind those other two drivers. So I think that's possibly where the real action and the entertainment is going to come from for the rest of the year. But I think there there is still definitely a bit more to come, but it does look like Jamie Chadwick might sort of have it sewn up just because she's been so strong. Somebody that's been as dominant in this particular field, does does this hurt her reputation or hurt her opportunities that she should get that she may not get, or is it just a blip? I think it's really, really difficult because you're looking around and you know, you're seeing the cues of male drivers that can't mm. get into Formula One and they've won F two and they've been in IndyCar and they've done all these things and 
Jamie Chadwick is potentially about to win her third consecutive W Series. You know, like nobody else has ever won it. And the fact that there's still no clear path for her into anything else is definitely concerning. And I don't think, personally, I don't think it would make sense for her to do another year. Um, It just... All the cars are the same mechanically, and I just don't think she's going to grow a significant amount more if she were to stay in the in the W Series for another year, if she were to win it again this year. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a damning, as you said, it's a damning indictment of the fact. If it was a male driver that had achieved this in three seasons in a row, you know damn well they'd at least get a test, or they get a chance in a test seat, even in, in close season. Um, and it's really sad that she's not getting that opportunity. Hopefully, hopefully, especially one of the teams with British interest will, will take notice of all of this or have already but as you said it's so cutthroat for drivers like just even to get a test drive and get a test seat um, but still somebody of her talent and somebody of her dominance in, in, in the, as you said over three years not just a flash in the pan this is a proper driver proper formula driver um, and it should have nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman but it does unfortunately to me tell me I'm wrong smack of the fact that she is a woman that she's she's not getting those chances Absolutely I mean you look at you know, I'm not directly comparing W Series and F2, but I suppose W Series is the only feeder specifically for women. And, you know, you look at all the, you know, the drama that's surrounding Oscar Piastri, he's won F2 twice. And as we said, this is someone who's coming into potentially winning a series three times. And there's, you know, not not that much of a, you know, a flutter going on there. So I think it is unfortunately down to, you know, which team is, is going to be the team that's going to lead the way essentially is is the question that we don't really know the answer to um alpine have pledged that they will find a female f1 driver by 2030 that's you know obviously still eight years away so i i don't think jamie chadwick will still be waiting um at that point but you know i i would really love to see her just catapulted into something i really would so would I, um, because I had a chance to look at the highlights of that, and it's clear that this woman, even though she didn't win the race, is is a proper driver. She's on point. She hits. She hits all the marks, and she, you know, it, it it's just obvious. You know, it's just sad that the, that next step mightn't happen sooner than it should. Uh, one team in the Formula One paddock, however, that are still having driver issues or a particular driver intro- issue, is McLaren and the ongoing Daniel Ricciardo saga. Um, where are we on that? Yes, so Daniel Ricciardo has reportedly um, said that he wants a $21 million payout if he is to leave McLaren. Of course he does. Yes. Uh, The reason he's able to do that is because legally he is the only party in his agreement with the team that can actually finish, essentially terminate the contract. Um, And if recent reports are to be believed, McLaren have officially told Ricciardo that they want to swap him out for Piastri. So essentially, Ricardo was saying, okay, you can replace me if you want, but it's going to cost you. Um, And obviously, this is like any other contract negotiation so far as he's thrown his number on the table and said, here we are. It will become a scenario, obviously, where McLaren would try to negotiate it down to something that's a bit more palatable for them. But personally, I kind of think he has every right to do what he's doing. Um, I think from a performance standpoint, I totally agree. He's been disappointing at McLaren. But his commitment hasn't wavered despite that. And I think if everyone else in the saga seems to be looking after themselves, I think it'd be very naive of him to not do the same. So I think it makes sense, you know, from both a business standpoint and also, you know, personally for his own career, he doesn't want to be sort of just punted away either. So I'm not surprised. And I think he's, he's probably right. Yeah, you sound like an agent. You should be one of those Formula One agents there. That's brilliant. Of course he should get it. I mean, I don't disagree with the logic. It's just, it's very hard. I mean, if that's the contract that was signed day one, then that's on McLaren. Fair enough. That's on mm-hmm, McLaren. Mm-hmm. But it does set a precedence, I guess, that, you know, the next driver that moves teams and it doesn't work out, those contract negotiations, if Ricardo if Ricardo gets his, his, his 21 million, it's going to be very interesting to see the knock-on effect that that might have. Uh, including, uh, as you mentioned there, let's, let's talk about him because Oscar Piastri, you know, uh, the, we had the whole saga and we covered it about, you know, he said, she said, between his own team and his, his manager and, and then people coming out saying, I am going, I'm not going. Obviously, there's a lot of cloak and dagger. There's obviously a lot of negotiations going on behind the scenes and nobody yes. wants it, you know, their dirty linen uh, for the world to see. But uh, where are we with Piastri in terms of, is it low looking likely that he's going to take that seat? So I think that part is still 
quite a long way away, actually. So the, the latest that we have is that the FIA president has said that the issue is going to be solved by a group that's called the FIA Driver Contract Recognition Board. Lovely. Um, quite a mouthful. But essentially, the board was set up to deal with contract priority issues between drivers and teams, which obviously this is exactly what that is. Um, The initial indication is that he has signed something with both Alpine and McLaren that legally they are both valid. And it was just a case of, okay, which one is the most valid, I suppose, the way you could kind of boil it down. Um, But... It's. I think this. All of this is going to take quite a long time to figure out, which is why everyone else who's involved in it. I think it's. It just gets more and more awkward and more and more kind of toxic, um, unfortunately. And you know these things we've seen teams and drivers go through the courts before. I think they're trying to avoid that here. You mentioned Piastri's record at F two, so you've seen him and you know maybe what the guy is capable of. Having not seen him in a McLaren. Is he is he up to scratch? Is he somebody that can? Is he? He's so, they obviously feel he can improve on what Ricardo can't. But is he the kind of mm. driver that can take it to the next level and challenge his teammate? I think, given a clean slate, I think he is. Um, I wonder mentally how much this would drain someone. Um, you know, you think about if he were to get the seat next to Lando Norris. Lando Norris is supremely confident in that McLaren. He'd be going up against a very formidable teammate there. Equally, if he did have to stay in Alpine, there's going to be a lot of bad blood. There's going to be, you know, Espan Ocon is clearly going to be the number one driver in that team. I think he has somewhat painted himself into a corner where he's put a huge amount of expectation on his shoulders and he'll either really impress us and live up to that or I think it could, it could you know, be crushing. It really just depends on less so on the talent side, I think, and more so on, you know, his his mental ability to put that to the side and just go out there and perform. Excellent, yeah. I mean, that's a fair assessment. It's going to be fascinating to see how he goes. We finished this week, not with our weekly segment, he said, and I didn't <laughs> I didn't read the article, the extensive article, but I did see pictures from it from Vanity Fair. So it's yes. only fair that his number one fan, Lewis Hamilton, should, uh, <laughs> you mentioned that there's a, there's a lot in there uh, in, in that particular um in that particular Vanity Fair con, we're talking about Lewis Hamilton's uh, Vanity Fair cover shoot and uh, obviously the uh, article that came with it, but uh, not considering retirement in the near future. Is this the headline coming out of it? I mean, like you say, there was so much content there. I think there's a huge amount in the way of headlines, but I think it's something that we've all been questioning. You know, Mm. we thought, was he going to come back this season? We weren't sure. And we've seen the turnaround now in the positivity and the body language and the performances and you know, he was essentially asked whether Sebastian Vettel's retirement had kind of sparked any thoughts of his own retirement. And he said, actually, it made him realize that, you know, those peers are going to just start kind of disappearing over the coming years, but that he was still very much kind of on his own mission and didn't feel like giving up. And he said, actually, he's already thought about extending beyond 2023, which is when his current contract finishes with Mercedes. So I think he's really seeing the potential strengths that he and George could have going forward, you know, assuming that Mercedes continue to make the improvements that they're making. And I think he's kind of like, okay, this, this is my, this is my second bite at the cherry, you know, with Mercedes. And I think it's definitely given him enough energy that he doesn't want to give up. Um, Not that it's the only motivator, but I think it's certainly in the last weeks and months has made a huge difference. If last question, if Mercedes don't make the jump, if the technology just isn't there and they find themselves behind Red Bull and Ferrari, could we see Mr. Ha- Sir Lewis in the red, the dancing horse, uh, prancing horse, or could we see him, God forbid, in a Red Bull? No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I know I you don't want to, but could we? <laughs> no, genuinely, if I, if I thought there was a chance, I would say I just don't think... I think his relationship with them is such that yeah, it's tight. he has, you know, it's kind of historic in yeah. a lot of ways. You know, there's no driver has ever had the freedom of expression and creativity in partnership with winning world championships that apart he has from with that Schumacher, team. Apart from Schumacher at Ferrari in, in the latter years when the, yes, he was telling them. Uh, yeah, you know, like in terms of the, the business ventures and well, everything yeah. that he has outside of the sport, yeah. I think he wouldn't get that anywhere else. And I that's think true. he knows yeah, um, better than to, than to turn on that. 
maybe earlier in his career, I think he would have been tempted by Ferrari for sure. Um, but I think at this point now, he kind of, wily old fox, I think he knows too well than to, than to turn his back on Mercedes. Yeah, I hope. I, I just I long for the day we have our podcast when we see him in a in, in a red uniform. <laughs> but as as you said, does he really want to join a team that's going to keep dragging him in for pit stops that he doesn't need to make? Even Hulk yeah. disagrees. Hulk is disagreeing in the background. This is outstanding. Good stuff. Um, we won't talk any more bad things about Lewis Hamilton. We're upsetting the dog. Listen, uh, Sarah, as ever, thanks very very much for your expert analysis. As we'll, you'll be back again next week with all the latest news. Where can we find you uh, across social media? Yep, so I'm MacGram underscore on Instagram, M-A-C-K-G-R-A-M underscore. And if you search Sarah McKenzie F1 on YouTube, you'll find me there as well. Excellent stuff. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. It is a big welcome back for our Cork's Red FM Big Red Bench Monster Women's Rugby Expert and Chairperson, Wendy Keenan. This week, Wendy and I talk about the Munster Women's Summer Programme and the huge numbers of players involved. We also have news of the September Munster Women's Under-17 and Under-18.5 Interpros, the Munster Women's Rugby School of Excellence, which starts next week, and Wendy and I preview the Irish Senior Women's Rugby International Tour of Japan and the Munster players hoping to make an impact. We also have news and details of the Munster Women's Rugby 2022 club season kickoff. Now we are delighted to welcome back our uh, resident rugby expert, the Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson, Wendy Keenan has had her summer break and now she's back working again for Red FM, so we must be getting close to the new season. Wendy, you're very welcome back. How are you? I'm great, thanks very much. Well rested now after my couple of weeks, so lovely break and now back into it. Good stuff, back into it indeed and back into it in a big way with rugby because there is a lot going on. The new season hasn't kicked off yet but there has been so much happening. Let's start by talking about the summer programme that's going to lead into the September Interpros for the under 18 and a halves. Yeah, I suppose, look, it's been a busy summer for, you know, all the girls that have been training away in the camps. Um, so that's the last time we spoke, actually, they were in Tralee. They were heading to Tralee for a, a weekend um, of, of camp, and that was hugely successful. So before I suppose I talk off, I just want to thank Tralee for, you know, the use of their facilities and for, I'm sure all the girls will want me to mention that they were facilitated to watch Love Island, which was very <laughs> important to them. So they were delighted. And thank you to the Army who arrived with their tents. And I can tell you that when they... they the, the trucks came in the door or in the gates of the club the girls thought they were going to be put through some grueling things by the army but no it was just the delivery of their accommodation so look thanks very much it was a really successful um, bonding weekend so yeah so look the development staff have been really um, busy um, throughout the summer um, with the squads um, so s- since we spoke since that weekend away that under 18 and a half um, a squad there's 30 in that squad and they have played a touring American team twice and also a Midland Leinster squad um, winning their matches which was great and on the back of those performances some of those or a few of those girls have been called into train with the Munster senior squad which is a really positive um, just to give them a taste of you know training at the next level up um, while they're available to do so so that was great so their schedule will kick off very shortly so on the 27th of August they'll play away to Connacht um, in Corinthians at 2pm and then great news is that they're at home in Musgrave Park for the next two matches so on the 3rd of September they'll face Ulster at 3pm and on the 10th of September they'll face Leinster at 2.30pm so look it'd be great to have the support out and we'll run a couple of activities in around those events um, to try and fill up those stands so look really exciting now a couple of, couple of you know, weeks heading into that um, for the girls. You'll also remember as well that I mentioned that there's going to be two interpros this year because we're changing from 18 and a half to 18s so we've had a second squad training at under 17 to bridge that gap the girls that will come of age to play so it really has been a very busy summer you know especially for the, for the development staff and, and the volunteers there so that, that second interpros will actually take place in February for those girls but on the back of some of their performances some of them have been called in to the under 18 and a half squad so we might see some of those actually playing sooner than February um, you know on the back of, of what they've been doing at training as well so it's, look all good news really 
It is, and it's 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 fantastic that we're talking about two squads in their own a very important age group, Wendy. You'd know better now um, from your experience as well with Monster Rugby. Like when you're hitting 17, 18, it, you're, you're taking it quite seriously. If you're making an inter-pro squad, that, as they say, is an achievement in itself. That won't be enough for the girls that are taking part. They'll want to keep kicking on. But how important is it to get an, a taste of, the 17s get a taste of the 18s and a halves age group. And how important is it, as you mentioned there, physically to take the hits in a senior training session for somebody that young because that's something they're going to have to get used to. Yeah, I mean, they're going into a controlled environment. I suppose I should mention that when they do step up. But it is really important that we bridge the gap from that under 18 level to the adult game. And that's across all sports. That's where the drop off rate is for girls. So um, for those girls, you know, who are serious, they're talented, you know what I mean? They want to make it. Um, you know, it really is important. And they get to mix with the, you know, the Irish players as well that we'll talk about in a minute that are gone to Japan. Um, so it's a nice bond that they get to, you know, to experience there as well with, you know what I mean? girls that they see on television playing playing for their country and it gives them a taste of the level of which they need to be training at um, to bridge that gap you know if they do want to you know go into a higher, you know into a red jersey and then into a green jersey so um, yeah look it's, it's been a wonderful summer for, for us to be able to do that and it's you know it's something that we want to continue um, but very important um, you know in relation to that. And that segues nicely into the next topic of conversation, which is the Schools of Excellence, which are beginning next week for the younger members again. Yeah, so that in in Bandon next week, the School of Excellence will kick off and that's the residential camp for the girls that uh, people were able to sign up to. And it gives them an insight, I suppose, of what it's like to be an athlete training almost full time. Um, You know, they get insight into, you know, fitness requirements, nutritional requirements, um, and then all the skills development workshops that they'll be doing. Um, So look, a wonderful opportunity for those girls to get that expertise at a younger age and, you know, give them that knowledge. Um, you know, across the board that they can, you know, apply. And more importantly, they can share with their friends and their peers as well when they go back to school and they go back to um, to their clubs. Indeed. Lots of uh, excitement, I would imagine, over the next few weeks and a nice way to keep, take the mind off the impending. I, I have to highlight, this is the fun, first bunch of girls that are going to do a residential camp because it's their first time having it. So it's, it's, it's lovely to see. I, I can only imagine it's going to be a success because such, such is the interest and the surge of interest that we both know and we've seen and witnessed over the last 24 months. But the beauty of it as well, I think, is Wendy, is the timing because we don't want to talk about what's coming back in September for a lot of young boys and young girls, but that those school gates will be opening again. But an opportunity to see out the summer in a school of excellence and probably with like the highest quality coaching as well. That's something important for parents to notice. Um, that's really important. Is, yeah. And I suppose the added element is that there's a big interest now in our schools programs. So we have an extra cohort of girls that are looking into, you know what I mean, developing their skill set. So this is an attractive element for those as well. Excellent stuff. Now, a historic moment as well in the last few weeks for the Irish International Women's Rugby team who were in Japan on a summer tour taking part in two tests. Um, one on August the 20th, uh, that's Saturday at 7pm or 11am Irish time. And then a following following that up again in Tokyo on the 27th of August uh, with again 11am start time. And it's fantastic because it's attracted a lot of attention um, and uh, some good news, good news all around. We'll have a bit, bit of positivity around the international senior team and see how they go against the Japanese uh, counterparts. But good news also, Wendy, from a monster point of view, because we've got quite a few people on that on that plane. Yeah, look, I mean, no matter what conversation we have, we'll always want more. But yeah, I'm delighted, you know what I mean, that the girls um, um you know have come through the training um or one to I mention in a second. But um I always want to mention Dorothy Wall. Dorothy Wall has done a video um a diary there from the time that they left Dublin Airport uh, and arriving in Japan and getting to the first training session. So it's quite interesting to see what goes on behind the scenes. <laughs> and I expect a lot more from her over um, the next two weeks. Unfortunately, May Vogue picked up an injury last Tuesday and is unable to travel. And I know May will be absolutely devastated, but we just wish her a speedy recovery. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, with that, but we're delighted with it, you know, to see the other girls going through. You have Chloe Pierce, Dorothy Wall, Enya Breen, Nicole Cronin, um, and I'm sure we'll see a lot of time, uh, pitch time for those um, on the pitch. But I also want to mention, because um, it's not always just about the players, we also have the logistics manager, Gemma Crowley, um, who's in Balancholic um, RS. So she's out there and the assistant coach and your breaks from you elbows. So we represented on the pitch and off the pitch and the management levels. So it's, you know, it's important that we look at all the avenues that are available to players and, um, you know, that don't make it to wear that green jersey. Excellent stuff. That's brilliant. Uh, as, as, as 
plenty of monster interest on the pitch as much as of it and let's hope that Japanese tour goes well we'll keep an eye on it and talk about it over the coming weeks we've been talking about the summer program which is hugely important and is uh, for the under 17s under 18 18s and a halves we've been talking about the school of excellence we've been talking about the internationals we've been talking about the monster players on the internationals and now we come to our final topic which is the start of the whole bloody season all over again Wendy it must be very very busy for Munster uh, committees at the moment but a lovely time of the year everybody's back out in that training pitch I've seen some of the social media posts from some of the clubs that I follow um, and they're already back out on the pitch and getting ready exciting times and really really looking forward to a brand new season yeah, and I suppose that's one element that I've always said that I really enjoy is following social media and seeing the girls. And I've really seen that the under seventeens and eighteen, you know what I mean, those those squads, you know what I mean, and the pride for for the girls um coming out. But yeah, so we've a busy couple of weeks, you know, our our season plans are finalized. They'll be going out to the clubs um in the next week. Um so they'll have them to know, you know, from what weekends they've off as opposed to what weekends that they've on, which is as important for the coaches and managers as it is for the players. But um, the season will kick off with a lovely new um, initiative by Skibbereen RFC. So a Skibbereen 7th on the 27th and 28th. So I'm sure there'll be lots of fun and frolics down there in Skibbereen that weekend. The Women's AIL will kick off um, you know, the weekend of the 10th of September, as will for our adults. Our Monster Open Cup um, round one will take off followers by the league will um, start then the following week. Um, our youth start a little bit later. We give them an extra couple of weeks just to get a couple of friendies under the belt. Mm. Um, and people might say, why do we do that? But you have a lot of girls that will change age category. Mm. And because it's a two-year gap, they do need a couple of matches. You know what I mean? A lot of girls that are already in that team and have, have experienced it at a year already. Um, so a lot of friendlies take place in September. So we'll kick off the first week of October um, with their leagues before Christmas, followed by their cups after Christmas. Um, so as you know, those things, those dates and schedules don't... Um, they're not the easiest things to put together when you to put in, you know, Irish sevens under eighteen. Now we've got the international under eighteen team, and um, all the other all the other things that need to be thrown in. Um, so we think we finalised it now, and uh, we're signing off on it, and it'll go out to the clubs. So look, there, there's going to be a lot of developments over the last couple of weeks. We've mentioned the trip to Japan. We've seen the article about you know the the the, the contracts that are going to come out. So um, there'll be lots of interesting topics, I think, over the next couple of weeks here. I have absolutely no doubt that there will and and you'd swear you were never away there's so much happening with the Munster Rugby so listen it's great to hear from you again Wendy Keenan thank you very much for joining us here on the Big Red Bench we look forward to another action-packed season of international, provincial and also club women's rugby and we'll cover it all here on the Big Red Bench welcome back Wendy Thanks a million The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm I am thrilled to be joined by the EchoLive.ie and Echo Newspaper Chief Sub-Editor Rory Noonan for a new weekly slot covering all things Cork Ladies Football and the 2022 Club Championships. This week, Rory and I discuss the big Cork LGFA Championship throw-in this coming weekend, the two Cork LGFA Senior Championship groups, a prediction on who will contest and win this year's Senior County Final, who are the contenders for the 2022 Cork LGFA Intermediate and Junior A Football Championships, and a lot more. It's that time of the year again when the Cork LGFA Senior Club Championship and all the Intermediate and Junior Championships kick off once again. Um, a huge amount of games already uh, taking place and uh, the Senior Championship gets underway this coming weekend so no better man to talk to about that than the Chief Sub-Editor with the Echo Live.ie and Echo Newspaper, Rory Noonan. Rory, you're very welcome. How are you? I'm very good, Jaron. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. We have to have you on, Rory, because you're the expert in all this. I'm not. So we're going to... <laughs> well, well, as I said to you before, some would argue in writing so that you are far better of an expert than I am. But we leave it. We won't debate that one. <laughs> OK, we'll give you the predictions and then you can deal with the fallout afterwards. OK, look, it's going to be extremely busy over the next couple of weeks and months, but it's an exciting time because we have some fantastic championships to look forward to. Um, and starting off with that, this year's senior championship is split up into two groups with five teams in each. Group 1 contains Kinsale, the champions Morn Abbey, Fermoy, Valley Rovers and last year's runners-up, Aerogue. Each of those teams will play one another once in the round robin and the top two will go through to the semi-finals. But initially, just before a ball is kicked, Rory, um, obviously Morn Abbey as the champions will start again this season, I would imagine, as favourites. Absolutely. And, and I suppose if you look at league form, you wouldn't be saying that. But then you've also got to remember that there was, I think, eight of their starting team were playing with Cork and weren't available for the league. And they're actually in the relegation playoff against St. Valds in the league. So, but that won't come for anything come, come next weekend when, when the games start. Um, they will be amongst the favourites. But it's interesting to see Aerog in the same group as them because Aerog 
really rattled them, I thought, in the final last year and put it up to Mornaby for a long time. So I think there's a big, big determination there from Aero to try and go one better this year. So it's going to be fascinating. Mornaby start to wait for Moy, really, I suppose that's a game you'd expect them to win. So I think the, the defending champions should get off the winning start in their, in their championship this year. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting, as you said, because Airog did indeed run them very close in last year's final before Moran Abbey pulled away. And in that group also, you've got Kinsale, uh, Orla Finn's team, of course, and they got to a semi-final, which was a fantastic achievement for them as well, Rory. Oh, it was a superb. And, and they get that semi-final against Moran Abbey. It was a vicious stone um, late on a Sunday night, um, transferred because of weather to, vicious, oh, to the vicious stone pitch. But it was a fabulous game of football. And, like, you know, Kinsale were a little bit unlucky, to be honest with you, to lose that one on the night they ran... Mornaby very, very close. And they hadn't rattled for, for, for stages of that match. And it was only the, the experiences of uh, the likes of Breed O'Sullivan and Duran O'Sullivan and Kiro O'Sullivan that I know that, that actually got Mornaby through in the end and there was only a couple of points in it. So, I mean, Kinsale were very, very unlucky in that match. I suppose the big thing for them is is how soon Sai will be back from, as we both know, she's in America at the moment. So, when she will be back um, and from college-wise. So, We'll have to wait and see that. Um, but then again, they have Orla Finn, they have Faye Horn, two, two class forwards. You know, so they're certainly a team that um, will be looking to, to do something as well this year. Indeed. So that Group A or that Group 1 looks uh, looks fascinating. Group 2 contains five teams, Clonakilty, Inch Rovers, Bride Rovers, Ahada and St. Val's. And to me, uh, Rory, in that particular group, no out, no out, no outstanding favourite. And like that, that should make for some, a very, very competitive group. Oh, yeah, did right. I think I think this group group is probably far harder to to predict. Uh, Inch did very well in the league, so they're and they are always a threat. Clan, to their to their credit, like you know, since they've come up, the senior have been have been doing well, and um, you know they've 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 they rattled a couple of teams in in the championship and in the league in the last couple of years. So they're 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 a side that they're always dangerous. Um, Val's probably are going slightly backwards in the last year or two, unfortunately. But but again and 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 again when you you, you look at the other two teams, Hada with Roisin feeling back this year is going to strengthen them. Um, whether whether Hannah Looney probably be back for them as well. She was missing for some of the championship last year, so they're going to be a, a stronger team this year. And and Bright Rovers, um, you know they they did well in the the championship last year. Got to the semi final, I think, if my memory is correct, where they were beaten by Aero. Oh, so that group has contains teams that are probably all in very very similar levels. So. It, that really is going to be a, a toss of the coin group, as they would say. Like you know, so it's going to be that's a very, very difficult one to predict. Indeed, it is, and that's what's going to make it fascinating. The, the Cork LGFA Senior Club Championship gets underway on Sunday, August twenty first. Two Group One games kicking it off: Airog hosting Valley Rovers, Formoy hosting Mornaby, and in Group Two, as we just said, there Saint Val's will have home advantage for the visit of Ada, and Bright Rovers will take on Inch Rovers. Details of all those matches on CorkLadiesFootball.com. Away from the Senior Championship. Um, a championship that is just as difficult to predict is the intermediate grade. It's one group, Glenmire, Ross Carberry, Ara Glen Desmond's Bui, Dunamore, Bantry Blues and Castlehaven. So six clubs here involved in what should be, again, a very evenly fought one. But for me, Rory, before you give your own prediction, Castlehaven have been on the up, um, coming up, storming up through the grades over the last couple of years, winning junior titles um, to boot. They've also recently added a West Cork adult divisional title for the first time in their history and they added a Division 2 league title just last week by beating Donnie's as well over the past weekend I would imagine they and possibly Glanmire will start as favourites in what should be a very very interesting championship Oh absolutely, absolutely. they are the, the two teams um, that are going to be on the you know on the upper part of this this championship and the, most likely you know depending on how, how the draws go um, will be the two teams I would expect it to reach the final Glanmire lost the Division One League final recently, there Og uh, probably didn't play their best on the night that they're they're capable of playing, but they did play at the division, the higher level in the division, so that's going to stand for them coming into the championships. Um, Castlehaven, as you said, you know they won, they won an unbelievable Junior A championship last year, um, and beating Dinies in the final. I think it was in a penalty or a free kicks. Thirty meter, thirty meter freeze. Yeah. Will I ever forget? That was, that was, that was, yeah, that was an unbelievable day. I was in the MTU that day, but. You know, so the Haven certainly are on, on the way up and will be full of confidence going to the championship. But I'm just watching a third team there as well, mm. Arglen Desmond's Bui. And the reason I'm watching them is that they actually played in the Division 1 champion, uh, league as well this year. So they went up to the top level in the league. And I'm wondering, will that maybe stand to them and as maybe a slight outside bet that might surprise one or two along the way? They could be a team just keep, worth keeping an eye on as well as the other two 
but I would expect it to be a Glenmire or Castlehaven final when it comes to it. Excellent stuff. Uh, the Intermediate Championship kicks off on the 28th of August. That's in two weeks' time. Castlehaven hosting Bantry Blues in a West Cork derby. Dunamore welcoming our Glenn Desmond's Bui and Glenn Moyer uh, taking on Ross Carby in the first round of those matches of that round, Robin. Uh, the Junior A Championship as well, as as always, is <laughs> it's a bit repetitive now, but it's just as equal, difficult to predict. This year, O'Donovan Rossa, Donnies, Owendala, Neva Vaughan, Douglas and Berra. Great to see Berra back as well and competing at the Junior A Championship. Six teams, round Robin before uh, knockout stages will decide the eventual winners of this one it's, it's been very very difficult to predict as you said as last year's final shows it, it needed 30 metre freeze to decide it I would imagine Rory Donnie's will start as favourites but the likes of O'Donovan Rasta the likes of Avondala and perhaps Douglas might spring a few surprises Oh, definitely. Donnie's will start at favourites, but uh, um, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm sure there will be a massive determination there to make up for the way they lost in the final last year. I mean, it was heartbreaking on the day for them as much as, as it was joyful for Castlehaven. And I mean, even at one point in in that in that thirty meter shootout, if you if you remember, they thought they were after winning it, only to only to discover right. that the player had, had infringed inside the line. So I mean, there was there was the joy of thinking they had just won the championship to the sheer devastation of losing it on the next kick. So I'm sure there's going to be a huge determination within Donnie's to make up for that next this season. However, as you said, O'Donovan Rasa, Avandala, um, they will be teams that will be will be we would certainly will be worth watching as well. Um Douglas Douglas on the way up, um I'm not too sure whether they're good enough yet um to, 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 to challenge for the overall title. And no doubt when I go back down to the club host scenes that it's my own club, I'll probably get killed for saying that. <laughs> but but that that said, um, you know, they're, they're, it's still a relatively new club compared to a lot of the others. Um, they're still learning their trade a bit, and they're still getting better game by by game. Um, if they got to a semi final this year, I think it would be a good year for them. And so I would that would be, I think, their their ambitions to get to semi final stages and, and drive on there for next year. But I think it's going to be difficult to see past on this year because I just think that that drive from last year and the way they lost is going to push them over the line this time. Yeah, it's interesting, and I, I think we've we've talked about the senior A, the senior championship. We've talked about intermediate, but like junior A is just so close. Like that Bear team, if they had their full team out and everybody was available, will, will certainly be a weapon. And Nave Vaughan have been doing great things at underage level as well. So this one, uh, this one, this championship in particular, uh, could throw up a, a surprise winner, and hopefully it will. It, it, that championship as well, the junior A, get kicks off on the twenty eighth of August with Bear hosting Douglas, Nave Vaughan taking on Owendala, and a West Cork derby to get things up and running. Uh, uh, in Skibbereen between O'Donovan Rossa and Donnie's. Now, we are well aware that there is that we've spoken about the senior, the intermediate, the junior A, but there are from junior B, junior C, junior D, E and F and G championships going on this year. And that's not even including the under-21 championships and everything else. We don't have time to go through all of them, but all the information about those championships is available on CorkLadiesFootball.com. And we'll do our best to mention as many as we can as the weeks go on. But it's been great previewing it with you, uh, Rory. And now you've no choice. You're locked in from now until the end of the season until we crown those champions. <laughs> my, my pleasure, John. Pleasure to be here. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. Monster Hockey Piero Graham Catchball joins me on this week's Corks Red FM's Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast to talk about the Irish Senior Women's Euro Hockey Championship qualifiers taking place in Dublin this weekend. How important it is for Ireland to perform well ahead of both next year's Euros and the 2024 Olympics. We also have news of all the Munster Interpro teams that have been training and trialling throughout the summer months. The Munster Hockey Leagues are due to start in mid-September and why it's looking like a very competitive league for the coming year. Delighted to welcome back on to Corks Red FM's Big Red Bench, the Munster Hockey PRO, Graham Catchball, who we haven't spoken to in a while, but it's that time of the year between internationals, interpros and the uh, onset of the domestic season that we need to get Graham back on and catch up on all things Munster Hockey. Graham, how are you? Good, Jar. And yourself? I'm not too bad. I'm uh, I'm quite busy, and you're about to get very busy, I would imagine, as well in your own particular role with the Monster Hockey. But before we talk about the uh, domestic side of things and the uh, in the provincial side of things, um, it's a very very important weekend for the Irish Women's Senior Hockey Team, and that's because um, it uh, on this coming weekend between August 18th and August 21st, they take part in Euro Hockey Championship qualifiers at Sport Ireland Campus in Blanchardstown. They take on some serious opposition. The Czech Republic ranked 23rd in the world, Poland ranked 27th and Turkey ranked 33rd. So it's a big weekend, but why is it such a big weekend for the Irish international team, Graham? 
yeah, a, a hugely important weekend for for, for the Irish women uh, this weekend. I guess it almost starts um, their their journey towards um, the Olympics in in, in twenty twenty four. So. Um, they they do have to I suppose um, top the the, the group um, uh, from this tournament this weekend uh, to I suppose qualify for the, the European Championships in 2023, which then I suppose in turn is going to set them up um, to uh, I suppose qualify for the the Olympics the following year. So uh, there will be teams from the European Championships next year qualifying uh, for Paris uh, 2024. So uh, I suppose. Beating beating the likes of, of Czech Republic, Poland, and, and Turkey, are, it's absolutely crucial this weekend. Indeed, it is, and there's there's talk as well of like over twelve hundred seats being brought in to the venue because uh, and a fan village, and like a lot of those things are very positive to hear because hopefully, uh, from an Irish international point of view, you're attract, you're like you're hoping to attract a big crowd over the weekend. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's it's the first time that the the, the sport Ireland campus, I suppose, is is, is hosting a, a hockey event. Um, of the standard, I suppose. Um, so it, it's great to see it, and it's great to see that you know they're bringing in the stands for the weekend, so so people can come and uh, and watch the games. Um, I think tickets are still available from from Hockey.ie. So anybody who wants to make the the trip up to Dublin, um, I, I, they can definitely get tickets at this point. I think still. Um, for, for the games uh, during the weekend. Indeed they can and that Women's Euro Hockey Championship qualifiers at Sport Ireland Campus begins on August the 18th uh, and that's the uh, Thursday. Um, the Czech Republic take right. on Turkey at quarter past five but Ireland face Poland later that evening at 7.30 and then August 20th Ireland take on the Czech Republic at 1pm that's on the Saturday and earlier in the morning the Poles take on the Turks at 10.45 and then August 21st on the Sunday that's the Sunday coming uh, Pol- Poland and the Czechs at 10.45 and Ireland finish off against Turkey we wish uh, the Irish team and coach Sean Dance are all the best with that it's a very very important set of games as you've outlined and hopefully we'll get some positive results from the Irish international team now, away from the international scene, the it has been a very, very busy summer for the Munster Inter-Pro teams who've been training and trialling and uh, an awful lot of good work been done over the last couple of months, Graham, and some important uh, weeks coming up now as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the Munster under-16 and under-18 um, squads will have been trialling since since the beginning of the summer, really. Um, they're, they're, the under-16s and under-18s are probably at a point now where they're after reducing their squads and selecting, um, I suppose, uh, 30 players there thereabouts, um, who they'll be working with over the next the next while, and 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 then I suppose that 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 number will be, uh, I suppose, reduced again for a final squad for the Interpro series from September to December. So probably down to about 20 players for 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 this, those series. Yeah, and it's a very difficult time for like the likes of head coach Ivan O'Burno with the Munster under eighteen girls, for example. Like I'm looking at the squad here, and the list has got like you've twenty nine, nearly thirty players, and they have worked extremely hard all summer to reduce down to the final squad ahead of those very, very important inter pros. It's a difficult time for coaches, Graham. Yeah, the selection process is always probably the toughest part of of, of being an inter pro coach um, because um, you know the girls put in so much effort and um, throughout the whole program. So um, you know the the, the the, losing out is always difficult, I suppose, but getting getting onto an inter-pro side is always is always brilliant. And obviously, you hope then that the, the girls that do, um, I suppose, perform then at the interpros get the chance to to maybe, um, I suppose, represent their country eventually. So that that's the natural next step. Then, if they if they produce the goods, I suppose, at the interpros, they're more likely to get seen and 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 get trials for Ireland. And another really good positive, Graham, from from a Munster Hockey's point of view, is the 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 number of clubs that are represented on the current squads that are looking to be trimmed. You've got Cork Harlequins, Catholic Institute, Cashel New Inn, Limerick, Crescent. I mean, it is fantastic, and Cork uh, Church of Ireland, of course, as well. Um, it is fantastic that it's not just one club that seems to dominate any of these grades anymore, because such is the interest in hockey now that more and more girls are taking it up. It's making it even harder for the coaches because you've more players to choose from. Absolutely, and 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 it's credit to the clubs as well for, for for I suppose you know um becoming I suppose more organised over the last couple of years, and you know the the, the youth sections and clubs clubs have really come on leaps leaps and bounds, and you know the coaching, the quality of coaches, everything is has has improved over the last couple of years, um and as you can see I suppose you you know you're probably seeing players from from clubs that maybe didn't even exist, you know, two, three years ago, um, which is which is really impressive. And it's it's great to see the, the game growing beyond, I suppose, the, the core clubs that have, have existed, I suppose, um, for the last couple of years. 
Indeed, and that's great stuff. And best luck to everybody in those final sets of trials. We'll have more news of that and the finalised squads over the coming weeks here on the Big Red Bench with Graham as the season progresses. And now we've talked about international, we've talked about interprovincial, but we need to talk about the thing that everybody is looking forward to in hockey circles, and that is the Monster Hockey Leagues, which are set to return in mid-September. Uh, you've got dates for us, Graham. Yeah, so so I suppose the, the Monster Division 1 League is, is set to start on the 17th of September. So that, that'll be the... Uh, I suppose a tip off of the season. Um, so clubs have probably gone back already. Most clubs are back training in pre-season. Um, the Munster Division One looks set to be very exciting this year. Um, with, with Harlequins, I suppose coming down from from EY One, they they'll now be in the Munster League. So it'll be nip and tuck between themselves, UCC, Church of Ireland, and and, and maybe Ashton and Bandon thrown in there as well to fight it out for the the Division One title. Um, we've also seen um, a, new, a relatively new club, I suppose, BlackRock, have now made it to, to Division One as well. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they go against maybe some of the the teams that that have been, I suppose, traditionally down down towards the bottom of the table, uh, the the likes of Waterford and Belvedere there, I suppose. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they compete at that level and and maybe cause an upset as well with some of the bigger teams, but certainly. Certainly, plenty of teams in the in the mix this year, and um, we're beginning to hear stories of, of of players moving from one club to another at the moment. So there, there's been plenty of plenty of recruitment going on in the background, which uh, which which always throws up some interesting results at the, at the start of the season, anyway. And as ever, as a, an excellent Piero, you've set it up fantastically for everyone, Graham. If you you really have us uh, waiting for the start of this league when we find out all those new players at the new clubs. Uh, a lot of excitement over the next few months, beginning mid-September, as you said, and we look forward to reviewing it and previewing it here on the Big Red Bench. And before we let you go, can we say congratulations to you as well because the birth of your little, your new daughter, Lily, who's in, how, how old is she now at this stage? Three months now. Three months. No wonder you haven't been Thank on to me much. in a while. So, um, and uh, hopefully, we, Lily, we, well, it's we're delighted for you here on the big red bench, and it's great news. Uh, and now that you have that uh, that little bundle of joy to deal with, hopefully, you'll find a bit of room for us as well throughout the coming season. Absolutely, Jerry. Well, of course. Graham Catchball, Monster Hockey Piero. Uh, thanks very much for joining us on this week's big red bench. Thanks, Jerry. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan, and guests between 6 and 7 p.m. on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels, as well as visiting our official website, redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.